What's up? This is Seth Mosley, host of the Full Circle Music Show. Thanks for listening again this week. We've got an awesome guest, one of my longtime heroes of the music business, Jason Ingram, Sir Jason Ingram. Uh, he's a producer, songwriter, artist, worship leader, and all of the above. He has multiple awards on his mantle for CSAC Songwriter of the Year. He's won Dove Award Producer of the Year. More number ones than you can imagine. And really has had, in the last several years, what has been a, an incredible career in the music business. And today, we get to sit down and hear the story before Jason Ingram is the Jason Ingram that we know now. That's half the reason why we do this show is to kind of shine a light on the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into making a successful career in the music business. And there's a lot of stuff that I learned in this episode about Jason, some stories about how he got into it. And believe it or not, at one time he was touring as a merch manager for a band. Him and his wife were selling blood plasma just to get back home for Christmas. I'm telling you, there's some stuff that you don't know that goes into making a successful songwriting and producing career. So stick around. And before we dive into it, we wanted to thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Go over to iTunes, leave us a good rating and review. That helps us a ton as we're getting this podcast off the ground. And for our next segment, Full Circle Music Trivia, the answer to last week's question, what is the highest selling album of all time? Well, the answer for that is Michael Jackson Thriller. So to one of you guys who emailed in to trivia at fullcirclemusic.org, you get a free copy of the book Hitman. And this week's question is, who is the top Grammy Award winner of all time? Again, who is the top Grammy Award winner of all time? Email your response into trivia at fullcirclemusic.org. And this week, the winner is going to take home All You Need to Know About the Music Business by Donald Passman, 8th edition. Up-to-date information on new music business models, including music streaming services, and cloud lockers, the latest developments in digital rights, and updated numbers and statistics for the traditional industry. Again, email your responses into trivia at fullcirclemusic.org. And thanks for playing along. All right, let's just dive into the episode. We got Jason Ingram in here in the house, a good friend, and without even probably knowing it, mentor of mine who I've looked up to since I've moved to Nashville in songwriting and production and just track record for days. The guy has just had hit after hit after hit and songs are being sang churches all around the world. So for you to take a few minutes to come and spend with us means a lot. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, it's an honor. So you want to carry us in? Yeah, man. One of the things I wanted to know from you, Jason, is like, when did the songwriting bug hit you? Or how long have you been doing it? Like, was it one of those things where just doodling in the notepad when you were six years old or even earlier? Or? I started taking piano lessons in middle school, mm-hmm. but I think I was a freshman in high school when I was introduced to just chord voicings. So up until then, I was just learning to read music and more classical sort of training, and which I wasn't excelling at, but I loved music. Sure. And so I would just, I stayed at it. And then I think my freshman year in high school, someone just taught me how to play chords and think about music as chords as opposed to just reading notes on a scale. And I instantly started writing songs. Once I had chords, I was a songwriter. Yeah, not, not a very good one. <laughs> but from then on, yeah, I mean, I was writing songs. 
did it start for you echoing what you were hearing on the radio and just putting chords to that or was it truly like i don't care what's going on on the radio i've got my own vision that i'm yeah no i was i was writing my own things that's great love songs for interest of mine (laughs) 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 things like that (laughs) yeah yeah wow that's great man so were you the guy with the guitar that got the girl because you had the guitar you know i my wife and then once i learned chords i started leading worship as well and so my wife we were on a little missions trip to mexico we lived in california and i was a graduating senior and she was going into her junior year in high school and we went down there and I led worship at this thing that we were doing and I didn't know her but she saw me leading worship and she knew she told a camp counselor that I was going to be her husband <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah I think the guitar <laughs> strumming it helps man absolutely it helps make up for other things <laughs> the lack of confidence right. when it comes to actually talking face to face massive lack of confidence absolutely yeah. yeah man growing up in the church there are so many stories that sound similar yeah. to that it's like going up to that youth pastor or whatever and pointing like that's gonna be my guy yeah right right, <laughs> right. <laughs> did you know at the time or did you find that out later I found that out later we started sort of dating a bit after that but yeah, yeah I, f- I found that out later and she's not that kind of person and she was actually I wasn't one of the popular kids and she was so I wouldn't have even like gone there yeah she was out of your league she was <laughs> still is <laughs> but yeah I found that out later and and I've just been writing songs out of a heart place you know ever since I first started writing songs I think that's been one of the hopefully one of the things that people notice it when they hear songs I'm a part of. Yeah. Yeah. And has that always come naturally to you to be able to express your heart on paper or in a recording? I guess it has. Yeah, I guess it has. I've found music as the gift of, which is hard to hold on to sometimes when you've been doing something for a while and it becomes mm. your career. Yeah. But um, there was a lot of years where the only reason I had to write a song was just to get something out. Because there wasn't any career in it. Right. And so I did that long enough that I think that's, it's easy for me to sort of stay in that place. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think one of the hallmarks of the songs that I know of yours, that I mean, from a perspective of they've got a story or they've got an intention to it. And it sounds like you were saying in those early days before anybody was paying you to write a song or asking you to go do something that it was because you had to get something out. And I I feel like that there's a trend in at least pop music these days where there's not necessarily a story. It's just a feeling. It's a vibe that's going on. Do you find that you would have a harder time if you were, you know, if you needed to go write the next Justin Bieber song versus writing something that uh, is more of a, a heart pouring, so to speak? I will say like a melody or a track or a vibe can bring out a lot of emotion so since you mentioned Bieber (laughs) (laughs) go down the Bieber trail Um, yeah his most recent album is like to me it's been the thing I've listened to the most this year wow yeah and so I just love it I think the songwriting is amazing I think the production is phenomenal and and it's emotional to me so it feels like I feel like I can touch it there is a lot of pop music that doesn't have that same sense to it yeah yeah maybe Justin Bieber recently is not the best of those examples but that has that pop sheen to it yeah. necessarily more than uh, an emotion. Well, and you're and what I'm kind of hearing you ask is is it those songs that are less about the lyric and more about just a vibe or sure. something mm, yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, like yeah, lyric is huge for me. 
especially in the the lane that God has me in. And I feel like in some regard, a lot of pop music, the, the lyric is real secondary to whether or not it's a hit or not. Right. And I think we're accountable to more. I look at songs in this lane that God has called me to. I often call them life rafts for people. Hmm. And so if I'm throwing someone a life raft, if that's what God lets me do with my song, I want it to hold them up. And so our words often become people's prayers. Yeah. You know, and Gosh. that's phenomenal. Yeah. Martin Luther said, when I can't pray, I sing. And we're able to throw these life rafts to people a lot of times that, that don't even know what to pray and write the prayer that they need to re-engage their heart wow. with the Lord. And so that's a huge, I think, a, a weight that we need to carry when we're considering, do we have the words right? Yeah. It's not just that when you're in a session and just like settling on something, because I mean, at some yeah. point, you know, you've got deadlines and you've just yeah. got to get the yeah, song right. out. <laughs> I mean, you've got right. eight hours in a day because you got to right. get home to your family. But the intentionality in this genre of lyric is everything. Yeah, it totally is. Yeah. So rewinding, we skipped forward a lot of years, but from you leading worship on that mission trip wherever mm-hmm. you were in California to when you, you know, got your first paycheck from doing music. What did that look like? It was a lot of years. <laughs> I definitely took the long road. So I heard Christine Kane talk once on the distance between anointing and appointing. And it's different for all of us, but I really felt like God anointed me very specifically to write songs for his church as a teenager. The appointing was probably some 15 years later. Hmm. And so I went to Bible college. I became a worship pastor at a church in California, had a band, got a little bitty record deal, toured, sold four albums. <laughs> <laughs> it was off to an amazing start. Yeah. All to your relatives. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And then at, at some point, my wife and I felt nudged to move here. And so we did, but I didn't have a job or anything in music. And so my entry point into music, and I was working temp agency jobs, and I mean, it got pretty lean for us. There was a Christmas where we went to sell blood plasma to try to get home for Christmas. And, and it, from going to Nashville to California? Uh-huh. Wow. wow. That year, I, I just remember thinking this this has got to turn around pretty yeah. soon, you know? <laughs> There's only so much blood yeah. available. So, it's literally um, blood, sweat, yeah, and tears. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, um, my entry point into what I'm doing now, oddly enough, was getting a job doing merchandise for Sonic Flood. And this was back when they were sort of at the top of their thing. And mm-hmm. so I needed a job. I didn't think that's not what I moved here to do, but I, I yeah. started selling their merchandise. And I heard they were about to make their second record, and I heard that they wanted the title of the record to be Resonate, and they didn't have a song called Resonate. Usually you don't title your album until you got an album, you know? <laughs> That's so, interesting, yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. So I, I pounced. Merch, merch guy saw an opportunity and wrote a song called Resonate, yeah. <laughs> which was a shoo-in, because you have to have a song called Resonate right. if your album's called Resonate, and they didn't have it, so they had to record it. They recorded it. Of course, it was the title track, but yeah. that happened before I wrote the song because yeah. it was already the title. <laughs> and it, it became their first single. 
off that album and so that that was the first time someone else recorded something that i wrote so wow. you were and you were doing merch for them on a tour heard totally some conversation heard a conversation went to a hotel room wrote a song came and just, back and said here's a song called resonates <laughs> <laughs> what was that like when you presented it did you present it as if you had not heard that before but just randomly came up with a song that was uh, no, I, I wasn't. I didn't play it off like I hadn't heard that they, okay. they were calling the album "Resonate." So that was my entry point. And then someone said, "So that song made a little bit of money, and it was the first time that ever happened to me." Yeah. You know, ten years into writing songs and yeah. selling merchandise mm. and blood. Yeah. So <laughs> some friends were saying you should meet with publishers in town. I never heard of a music publisher. Yeah. I didn't know there was a career to be had in songwriting. I had no idea. Yeah. I was pretty naive to how the music industry worked. and So I met with all the publishers in town, got a quick no from everybody. Yeah. I just didn't have... I had this one song, you know? Yeah. And then... And they're all like, and, and what else? Right, <laughs> yeah. right, right. And so the fourth publisher I met with, which was the last option, saw potential in the writing but really valued sort of my heart for what I wanted to do with my writing yeah and signed me to my first publishing deal and that was I guess 12 years ago now who was that with uh, Cindy Wilt signed me to word wow so I wrote for word for three years she's my champion she's with the Lord now yeah hmm. um, just this past year yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah she signed me I probably wrote a hundred songs my first year as a writer at Word, you know, with co-writes almost every day. Didn't get one cut. Wow. Out of a hundred. hundred, yeah. Yeah, my batting average was pretty low. <laughs> so I wrote a hundred songs, no cuts. But I, I really felt at the time that it was the most amazing year. And I thought, well, I'm not going to get my option picked up because I've made no money for the company. But... I was just really thankful to the Lord to have sort of lived a dream for a year. Yeah. You know? Sure. And wow. so I was really ready to pack up and go back to something else. And she picked up my option, wrote another hundred songs for another year, got my first cut, found out it was a hidden track. <laughs> so do you even do you even get paid for those? Well, the, the, my you yes. get paid with hidden money. Yes, yeah. yes, hidden money. <laughs> Cindy called and assured me that you get paid the same, just no one will hear it. <laughs> I was like, ah. Oh. So awesome. again, I thought. So well, so one out of two hundred. One out of two hundred. That's amazing, though. Yeah. Just for her vision in you oh you know if i signed a writer if i was you a publisher would not, no you do not stick around no. <laughs> i would have never stuck with me yeah so yeah she really is a champion for me yeah that's and, amazing um, and so she picked up my option again after the hidden track yeah, after the hidden track <laughs> really really caught a wave she was, like, she was like so you're telling me there's a chance right. <laughs> uh, so Year three is when I finally kind of did catch my wave. Yeah. And I started having quite a few things work. And a real sort of another real pivotal album for me was Joy Williams did an album called Genesis. And we wrote most of the songs on that album together. You and, and Joy. Mm -hmm, yeah. And it, it didn't necessarily go on to be the biggest album, but everyone loved it. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it was like all of our peers loved it. 
and so all of a sudden doors started opening up and then I met a guy named Bebo Norman and we started writing songs for his album and I never produced anything yeah and I was just doing demos and stuff with the songs we wrote and then I ended up producing that record for him called Between the Dreaming and Coming True was that just kind of like hey you had been doing these demos and they, yeah. they loved what you were doing just yeah. keep well what actually happened is we had written I think almost all the songs for his album just the two of us yeah and he went to the producer that they had hired to produce the, yeah. like the first couple of songs and they just weren't thrilled with where they landed and so I think Bebo went and just said hey do you mind if, yeah. if me and Jason just go try, try to hit a couple I think he asked if we could hit a couple and yeah. we recorded them all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then I was a producer you know and that's when I really did sort of catch a wave and in that season you know another thing so I started having lots of songs getting recorded I started producing a lot I really think this happened where you know I might have written a hundred songs and had no cuts I think I've had a couple years where I've had a hundred songs cut wow wow and which is nuts and so things just got fast and exciting and I found was a part of a couple guys that stumbled into this band called 10th Avenue North and so we signed them to a little development deal and shopped them a record deal and that thing turned into something really significant and Brandon Heath and I wrote Give Me Your Eyes which turned into something significant and then it just seemed it seemed to be like where Seth is right now (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if if I'm there yet (laughs) just lots of songs doing really 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 well and um, to some degree I'm I'm still on that wave but I, I have had a bit of a shift in for me personally and so like God uses music in so many different ways but mm-hmm. the the song that I was most desiring in my life was songs for the church and, and songs that the church could bring in worship to the Lord and I had a picture in my mind since high school that one day I would walk into the back of a room and hear God's people singing something that he let me be a part of writing oh. mm. and so this is relatively recent about six and a half years ago six years ago i had the mailbox money was there you know and the accolades and stuff with my peers was there but i i had this sort of unfulfilled dream and passion of mine and i was asking the lord before i moved into another publishing deal if i was meant to keep doing this because i i truly and i prayed this and i truly meant it that i would trade all of the other things and what it brought and the success that it brought for that experience of walking in the back of a church and hearing God's people singing something that he let me be part of writing. Mm. So I started bringing this prayer to the Lord about six and a half years ago and took some space from writing and it just seemed like that at that time God shifted some things for me and really moved me into a place where that was going to become a much more significant part of my life and I remember the day I heard a church sing I was in the back of a room and I heard a church sing something I wrote for the first time it was six years ago Wow! and it was something I had written with a guy named Reuben Morgan because of the success that I had had he had come through town and he had asked if he could get with like Christian music's sort of top writer producers and I was one of three 
he spent a day with and he didn't really want to write any songs it was more just to sort of like talk philosophy hang out kind of get some exposure to some other ways of maybe approaching songs and, sure. and take that back because they write their songs internally so we spent a day and didn't write but we became friends like instantly it was like the brother that was out there that I hadn't met yet and so he came back through a couple weeks later and on a Saturday morning we just decided to give a go at writing a little something and we wrote Forever Rain but he, he wasn't thinking that he would take it home and mm-hmm. use it at church so it was just a song that was just on a voice memo on two phones <laughs> and I didn't know if, if that's all it would ever be mm-hmm. um, and you really don't know if, I think songwriters out there kind of wonder if you know when you've mm-hmm. got one of those and, and you really don't know yeah. I think you should feel like you've got one of those with every song you ever write mm. yeah so this song was sitting there and I'm still praying this prayer like Lord let me walk in the back of a church and hear your people singing something you let me write and I get this email and it says hey decided to give this a run at church it's unbelievable what's happening this is just a board mix so excuse it being rough but just mm. wanted you to hear it. And so I'm by myself in my room at home and I push play and I'm listening to Hillsong Church sing Forever Rain like their lives depend upon it. Yeah, yeah. And I realized in that moment I was in the back of a church. Like, but yeah. in God's extravagant and beautiful way, I was by myself with Him. yeah. But I was I was listening into the back of not just any church, but the most influential church on worship in the world, and yeah. um, that really marked a transition for me. And I so love radio. I like it's so fun for me and and hooks and pop melodies. But if I had to give my life as a writer to one thing, it would certainly be songs that God's people are singing in the hmm. church. And so, yeah, I do as much of that as possible these days and sure. really love it yeah what an amazing story it's pretty crazy it is yeah and the fact that you were able to have kind of a private moment there but still have that experience that you've kind of envisioned years and years before yeah yeah just god's got this stuff you know <laughs> yeah he's got he's got us well yeah. speaking of that and the faith that it took to get to that point what kind of faith did it take for you or uh stick to that first year where you had the deal and you wrote a hundred songs and not one cut. And then the second year where you finally got one, but not many people would hear it unless they knew how to work a CD player the right, right way. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> what did it take for you to, to keep going and for Cindy to continue to have faith in you? Just what, what, what was that experience like? Yeah. For you? Well, I think what keeps us going is that we love it. You know, um, it's hard for me to come over here and talk with Seth and not be like, so let's write something, <laughs> you know, because yeah. I love it. I love it. I love when we write. I love, I love writing songs. And so it's what keeps you going is that you love it. Even if there's not the return of people hearing it, that's a, sure. that's a big bonus. But that kept me going. And, and also, too, I mean, I'm a bit, I'm driven, you know. I don't think anyone that ends up in this world that's achieving things like you're going to find that drive is is a big part of a common factor you know well to push through two years of yeah not having anything right it has to be right it it is and belief people believing in you but the other thing i do think it's important for songwriters 
in this era, we're such an instant gratification culture and an entitled culture that we don't appreciate the hours. You know, and there's this whole 10,000 hours thing that it takes to master anything that we're all familiar with. But I mean, I, I really find that's true. I like to tell songwriters, I've got a good friend named Jimmy Abeg who was in the Ragamuffins with yeah. Rich Mullins, and he's still a brilliant guitar player but he's painting is probably his first love and so he's this brilliant painter we we have his paintings hanging all around our house and uh, my wife dabbles in painting sometimes and so she had taken some pictures of the ocean out where we're from in Santa Cruz and had come home and was painting these ocean scenes and she had six canvases hanging on the wall and she thought oh, I'm gonna have Jimmy come out and give me some critique and I'm like, oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Get critiqued by Jimmy Abeg. So yeah. he comes out and he looks at her six paintings and he tells her so many, like he just finds encouraging things to say about every inch of all six canvases. Wow. <laughs> but then he says, okay, so you've got six, so go paint 94 more and then paint your first painting. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm wow. like, but that's like... What good advice, you know? I mean, we just, we always want to fast track to. Yeah. And songwriters might write, their first song might be a world changing song. There's a difference between people that happen into a good song and people that constantly write great songs. Sure. And, yeah. and that comes from really honing a craft. And honing a craft is, there's no shortcut no. to ours. No. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking as you were saying that the the hundred songs in the first mm. year and the hundred songs in the second year, like even if they didn't get put anywhere that either could equate to significance on the charts or your bottom dollar, whatever that is, like what a classroom that is, right? To be in front of someone else doing a co-writer, you're right. writing all of those songs right. are building towards just like you're saying, Jimmy was saying that like right. all of those hundred paintings build right. towards being able to put your first one out there that is really right. a statement, right? My competitiveness would probably go back and take some of those if I was in your position <laughs> and play them for somebody and just watch how many of them would get cut now because, now, because you're Jason Ingram. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. You're right. You're totally right. And that does, that does happen, yeah. I mean, you don't... It's hard to get a fair listen. People always yeah. listen to things through the filter of what their expectation is. Yeah. And so if their expectation is that something's going to be great... They're more likely to hear it that way. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pre-informed for yeah. sure. <laughs> that's definitely true. Yeah. Gosh. Man, so the kid that's getting out of Belmont and wanting to become the next Jason Ingram, what's your biggest word of advice to him or her? Yeah, I mean, write songs that mean something to you and put your head down and work hard and write a lot. I mean, that the other thing I... One, when I say write something that means something to you is I do find that a lot of people sort of like come out of these environments and they've learned some sort of craft, but like... Like meaning go, haven't gone and gotten a degree. Yeah, I got a degree or like they've kind of read some books or they want to do something so they study the craft. And you can, you can assemble a song because the rhyme is there or the hook is there, but I just think that the difference even in the pop world and certainly in country and Christian is the songs that are written because they matter to you is those are always the ones that do something yeah um and another thing i tell people is if you want to be a songwriter make sure your calendar tells me you're a songwriter 
because if your calendar doesn't tell me you're a songwriter, you're not a songwriter. We sort of have this sort of idea that, well, I'm just gonna catch song, or I'm waiting for inspiration, or yeah. the, one, the thing that we learn is we calendar our songwriting and then good things happen. But yeah. you tend to want to think that, like even Forever Rain as an example, or anything like that, that I was woken up in the middle of the night and the Lord said, I've got something for you. Sure. And I got out and I, I sang something on my phone. And the next morning I'm playing it back. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And, <laughs> but really it was just a day and a time that was scheduled on a calendar. And had that not happened, yeah. uh, that song would not exist. And so I always tell people, your calendar will tell me what you are in life. And yeah. if you want to be a songwriter, let's look at your calendar right? and mm -hmm. let's see if you are. Yeah. And that, that's a big one because it takes a lot of discipline yeah. uh, to keep writing songs. Yeah. Now that's a good word. It's kind of less of waiting for inspiration to strike yeah. and just showing up every day and then the inspiration comes because Definitely. of who you're around. And Definitely. Yeah, and another thing is on that, because of who you're around, co-write. Yeah. We both know and we all know like co-writing is the key to my success that wasn't something i was doing none of the songs that people know me by would even exist yeah that's a very big deal do you sit down nowadays ever and just do anything by yourself anymore or is it just kind of like that's you don't do it that way anymore i really don't every now and then i think last year i wrote a song by myself yeah i just you know was in a moment where i felt like I needed to express yeah. something, but yeah. that's so rare. Yeah, I have an unfair advantage in that I have access to a lot of talented friends, yeah. and so I want to know what my idea shapes into yeah. with someone else's mind involved in it as well. Yeah, yeah. Was that a process for you in the early days when you say you sat in your room by yourself writing that song to being mostly known as a person who's an uh, amazing collaborator and co-writer, that process of transitioning into mostly co-writes? Yeah. One of the things I told my first publisher when I signed my first publishing deal is that I write my best songs by myself. Hmm. Wow. And I really believe that. And she, she said, okay, well, we'll see how that shapes up for you. <laughs> and it certainly was not true what I said. Yeah. I, don't write my, I do not write my best songs by myself. How long did that take for you to fully believe that? About two years yeah. of writing some by myself and writing a ton with other people. It makes sense, though. I mean, the community and strength and, you know, like it just, it makes sense that when you do something as a team, you're going to get better results than sure. Yeah. Sure. individuals. That word is recurring very many times in this podcast. Isn't it, though? Yeah. The it's amazing. The importance of team. Yeah. And along with your team, when you were getting into it, would you consider that publisher like your mentor? Do you feel like you had a mentor sort of shepherding you in yeah. your career she would have been my mentor in that season of life for sure she would listen to everything i wrote and told me yeah what was working and what wasn't and yeah yeah that was just like school yeah for me it was, was it amazing. tough to hear mm, no because the heart was someone who was when no one else wanted to give me any advance sure. and tell me to write songs yeah, yeah yeah this was the person that said you can do it so yeah no it, it definitely wasn't I mean, 
it's always tough to hear in the regard that I think we put our hearts, we put ourselves into these things that we do. Yeah. And so it's always hard to hear things that are critical, but it's so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. At this point in your career, I mean, you've achieved some pretty big success by any world standard. Is there anything that you're still afraid of when you come into work every day? Yes, and it's that I'm afraid that I'm missing what God wants out of me. And so I keep that in front of me, like the thing I'm really wanting to be mindful of in 2016 is if I didn't write another song, my family's gonna be okay and I've accomplished something. And I could come and write songs purely out of craft and gifting as can you and so and get good results but I what I'm afraid of is I'm not seeking what God wants you know like Mm. what does he want for me what is he what are the prayers that people need you know what are the what are the life rafts that we need to throw to people what what are the not just writing songs out of it I just don't want to in this space that I'm in the music industry works Unfortunately, I think very much like any other industry, there's not a lot of conversation of mission. There's not a lot of conversation of truly of life impact, which is kind of sad. You know, yeah. you, you want to hope that that's there, but what we're inundated by, is it a hit? Yeah. And I hate that word. Yeah. Like, I love when things become hit. Right. <laughs> but like, I... If that's what fear, you're shooting for. Yeah, the fear in me is just that we would just write really catchy jingles that people like enjoy but that we're not really bringing to people what god what his heart for us to bring them is you know and so that's front and center for me yeah Hmm. well that's good you're kind of building on that and borrowing from a term you said earlier that you feel that you're still kind of riding that initial wave that you that you caught can you foresee what you either want your next wave to look like or what you feel like you're transitioning into now if it's the same thing that's fine but what does the next two three five years look like for jason income i've reached a place of freedom in my life where there's been a lot of hustle and a lot of drive for a lot of years and i really want to sit in a place of rest and freedom and gratitude Hmm. and so when you're too tired or there's something that happens when you're not taking care of yourself or your soul and your get-tos become got-tos. And there's hmm. there's some years where I get to write a song. Hmm. I get to be with this artist today. I get to come and talk about this. They become got-tos. I've got to do this. I've got to write today. I've got to be with the artist tomorrow. Yeah. And there's no joy in that. There's no rest in that. And um, for me, I'm just trying to move just into a space where everything is a get to again and however however long god wants to use me in this capacity like i'm pumped but holding it loosely sure but i i am i'm excited like i'm ready to like write the best songs i've ever written and to dig deep and jump around a room pumped on what we're (laughs) listening to you know like i'm i'm super fired up so i don't know i don't have another thing you know, I 
just this thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I, I do think, you know, I think there's something to that. I often say to people, like, you can go so many paths when something starts working. When one thing's working, it's easy to start thinking about all these other things that you're not doing. Yeah. And um, I've just tried to live by this principle that I heard someone say, which is so where you have favor. And so where I have favor, that's where I'm going to continue to sow and not be thinking about, well, because this is working, well, I bet I could get in that door or I yeah. bet I could sure. do that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's been a pleasure to hear from you. I know that so many of your words have turned into songs that have turned into these personal words for other people. You know, they've taken those as their own, their prayer, like you're saying. So it's been a pleasure for me to be able to sit here and just hear from you because so much of what I've heard from you have been the songs that you've created. And so to hear yeah. personally from you about some of that with the struggles or the high points of the, what you're thinking of as some of those songs come to light has, has been a pleasure, man. Thank you. Yeah. Super fun. Yeah. Thanks so much for the time, man. You've been listening to the Full Circle Music Show. Leave us a nice rating and review on iTunes. Editing help this week thanks to Kaylee Ingram and Jericho Scroggins. Produced by the Full Circle Music Company. Check us out at fullcirclemusic.org slash podcasts.